0: It's Tuesday, November 19th. I'm Martine Powers. This is an impeachment inquiry update from Post Reports.
1: I now recognize Ranking Member Nunes for any remarks he'd like to make.
2: Thanks, gentlemen. I'd like to address a few brief words to the American people watching at home. If you watched the impeachment hearings last week, you may have noticed a disconnect between what you actually saw and the mainstream media accounts describing it. When you saw three diplomats who dislike President Trump's Ukraine policy, discussing second-hand and third-hand conversations about their objections with the Trump policy.
1: Right now, we have had three career diplomats with collectively dozens of years of experience testify on nationally televised hearings before Congress, Bill Taylor, Marie Ivanovich and George Kent and what's significant about these diplomats who have testified so far is that they all are in their jobs because of their expertise in Ukraine matters. They are nonpartisan and they work for, you know, Republican administrations, Democratic administrations. They don't leave when a new president comes in and they follow the policies of, of that administration. I'm Lisa Ryan and I cover the federal government for the post. These career employees are kind of a Rorschach test, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, because by being nonpartisan and by swearing an oath to serve the Constitution. The career people are really telling lawmakers how they see things and basically how this kind of shadow foreign policy that President Trump and his allies were conducting was out of the norm. During impeachment proceedings against Richard Nixon and Bill Clinton,
0: the major players were all appointees and aides. But this time, many of the characters at the center of the inquiry are career bureaucrats, civil servants and professional staff.
1: I think that the career people are are really relevant only because they didn't ask to be in this situation. They were not whistleblowers. They were not the original whistleblower. They were subpoenaed. They were told by their supervisors at the State Department not to come testify. So these Diplomats and other career officials have enormous potential to face retaliation. Marie Yovanovitch, the former ambassador to Ukraine, who has testified in open hearings, said that she felt threatened several times by President Trump, and she is still a State Department employee.
0: She's going to go through some things. It didn't sound good. Uh, It kind of felt like a vague threat. And so I wondered what that meant. It concerned me.
1: They could face threats to their security clearance renewals. The government could hold those up. They could be reassigned. They could be removed from coveted national security details. And yet they are still coming forward to testify in nationally televised hearings, which has got to be a pretty scary prospect. But they swore an oath to the Constitution, and each of them has said that they feel that the, the country's national security was at risk in the Ukraine matter. Lisa Ryan covers the federal government
0: for the post.
1: This is the third in a series of public hearings the committee will be holding as part of the House of Representatives impeachment inquiry. So, public
0: hearings in the impeachment process resume today. And it was all about the phone call that started the impeachment inquiry in the first place. This phone call between President Trump and President Zelensky on July 25th. The morning testimony has now wrapped up. Who did we hear from this morning?
2: So this morning we heard from Alexander Vindman, who uh, handles Ukraine on the National Security Council.
3: On July 25th, 2019, the call occurred. I listened in on the call in the Situation Room with White House colleagues.
2: And Jennifer Williams, who was an aide to Vice President Pence.
3: On July 25th, along with several of my colleagues, I listened to a call between President Trump and President Zelensky.
2: I'm Shane Harris. I cover national security and intelligence for The Post. And these days I cover the impeachment hearings. So here we had two firsthand witnesses to what was said, who then shared their reactions to the exchange between the two
3: presidents. And what were their reactions?
2: Well, both of them thought that it was either inappropriate or certainly unusual.
3: During my closed-door deposition, members of the committee asked about my personal views and whether I had any concerns about the July 25th call. As I testified then, I found the July 25th phone call unusual because, in contrast to other presidential calls I had observed, it involved discussion of what appeared to be a domestic political matter.
2: I think that Vindman's reaction was a lot stronger. Uh, He said, what I heard was inappropriate. Those were his words. I was concerned by the
3: call. What I heard was inappropriate. It is improper for the president of the United States to demand a foreign government investigate a U.S. citizen and a political opponent.
2: Vindman perhaps going a little bit stronger than Williams, but Williams by no means saying this was perfectly normal uh, and was not concerning.
0: And Vinman said that he was concerned that if this military aid to Ukraine became a political issue, that it wouldn't get bipartisan support from the U.S. and that it might not be provided to Ukraine in the future.
3: It was also clear that if Ukraine pursued an investigation into the 2016 elections, the Bidens and Burisma, it would be interpreted as a partisan play, undoubtedly result in Ukraine losing bipartisan support undermining U.S. national security and advancing Russia's strategic objectives in the region.
2: I mean, he very much believes in the policy, which is a bipartisan policy officially supported by the Trump administration, that it's necessary to provide military aid to Ukraine in their efforts to deter Russian aggression, and that by making this contingent on political investigations would send that message to Ukraine that we weren't behind them, that we weren't supportive. Uh, and, you know, members spent a lot of time trying to, you know, get to the, to the root of this as saying that this is somebody in Vindman who, has, you know, his whole portfolio is Ukraine. He speaks Ukrainian. He has a Ukrainian background. He gets this policy a lot. And I think they were trying to use him as saying, look, when the people who are on the front lines of implementing this policy raise the red flag and say, but what the president is doing jeopardizes that policy, that people should take that seriously.
0: So a lot of what we heard from their testimony today, we had had a pretty good indication of before from their initial depositions on Capitol Hill. But one small issue that was brought up that I think was new to a lot of people was this issue of the rough transcript of that call and whether that rough transcript is actually an accurate transcript.
2: Right. This is very interesting. Because Vindman is asked about whether or not what he is reading in that that, that memcon or that telcon, telephone conversation memo, is, as he recalls it, what was said word for word between the two presidents. And he says, no, there are some omissions. The most notable one being that as Vindman recalls it – Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, specifically used the word Burisma, which is the company, of course, that Joe Biden's son had a board position on and that Donald Trump wanted an investigation of. Now, he says that the word barisma was used. The word Burisma, of course, doesn't appear in the version of the, the memo that the White House releases. I think it's a reference to that company or the company. It's more generic.
0: And for the record, Williams also said that she heard the the word Burisma during that phone call as well.
2: That's right. So Williams backs up the account. So you have two people who were on the call who say, I heard President Zelensky use the name Burisma.
1: Both of you uh, recall President Zelensky in that conversation raising the issue or mentioning Burisma, do you not? That's correct. Correct. And yet... The word Burisma appears nowhere in the call record that's been released to the public. Is that right? That's right. Correct.
2: That is important in Vinman's view because it suggests that going into the call and the way that it was said and the time it was said in the conversation, that President Zelensky already understood that Burisma was on the agenda. Uh, and so it would suggest, as he said, that he may have been prepared for the fact that this would be something that Trump and he would be discussing. I think that is suggestive, and there's been quite a lot of reporting around this in recent days, um, supports this idea that the Ukrainians understood there was pressure on them to investigate barisma, not corruption in general. And that's a very important distinction because the White House's defense of this call and the Republicans on the committee's defense of it has been Donald Trump is worried about corruption writ large. The counter argument to that is no. Donald Trump is interested in investigating Burisma, just this company, and whether there was a problem between uh, with them having Joe Biden's son on the board. And Vinman would seem to back up that latter interpretation that Trump was interested in Burisma and not in corruption throughout Ukraine.
0: So these were some of the issues that were raised by Democrats who were doing the questioning. But then when it turned to Republicans, we saw something that was kind of interesting because at least when it came to the testimony that we heard last week, it felt like Republicans were very leery of of trying to offend the witnesses or trying to make them look look bad that they were on on that they were by and large like pretty respectful of the people career diplomats that we saw testifying last week. But today, they really went in on Vinman and started to question whether he was a reliable witness.
2: Yes, they questioned first whether he was a reliable witness, uh, and then they questioned, frankly, whether he was a loyal American.
3: I'm an American. I came here when I was uh, a toddler, and I immediately dismissed these offers, did not entertain them.
2: There was a line of questioning that went to a conversation that Vindman had with the then national security advisor of Ukraine, who he says in a way that he took as sort of a joke or not very serious, offered Vindman a job as the defense minister of Ukraine.
3: Did you leave the door open? Was there a reason that he had to come back and ask a a second and third time? Or was he just trying to convince you? Uh, Counsel, you know what? It's the whole notion is is rather comical that um, I was being asked to consider whether I'd want to be the minister of defense. Uh, I did not leave the door open at all. Okay. But uh, it, it is pretty funny for a lieutenant colonel in the United States Army, which really is not that, not that senior, to be offered that um, illustrious a position.
2: As, and he says, in the context of it, it didn't seem serious. And even says, "Look, I'm a lieutenant colonel. That's a pretty low position. It'd be kind of unrealistic to think they'd offer me such a job." But nevertheless, I reported that up the chain of command, documented it as this interaction with a foreign government official. He did everything by the book, and Republican lawmakers were seeming to seize on this to sort of say, "Are you sure? I mean, did you really? Did you take it seriously? Did you think about it?" And this is something we've seen coming up in previous criticism, you know, of of Vinbin, who came to the United States. From from the Soviet Union as a toddler with his family and raising the question of whether he, in fact, has some kind of dual loyalty. Now, it's a legitimate question to say, did you properly report an offer of a job from a foreign government? But that's really not the line of attack that Republicans were taking here. This prompted a lot of Democrats to then come forward and note um, that he is a decorated combat veteran who has been wounded in battle in his, in is obviously currently uh, in, in the military, you could tell by his uniform. The three minutes that were spent asking you about the offer made to make you the minister of defense. That
3: may have come cloaked in a Brooks Brothers suit and in parliamentary language, but that was designed exclusively to give the right-wing media an opening to question your loyalties.
2: So it was a really fascinating exchange to see the Republicans essentially trying to say, you know, can we trust not just what you say, but can we trust your commitment to the United States?
0: And it was clear that Vinman was even starting to take offense at this. At one point, Representative Devin Nunes called him Mr. Vinman. Mr. Vinman, you
2: testified in your deposition that you did and not... And Vinman
0: interrupted him. him and reminded him...
3: Uh, Ranking member, it's uh, Lieutenant Colonel Vinman, please. Uh,
2: Le- Lieutenant Colonel Vinman, you That's testified... That's right, he did, and that
3: was
0: in a
2: very tense moment...
0: So, what is the takeaway from today? Like how much does this testimony change our understanding of what transpired and whether that could be an impeachable offense?
2: What I saw in this really was the the increasing partisan tension around these hearings. I mean, when you have Republican members of Congress, you know, questioning the patriotism of someone sitting before them in a uniform. That's a pretty remarkable event. That doesn't happen very often. And you could really see the way that the partisan lines are just being drawn here even more starkly um, to the point where even firsthand witnesses, when the Republicans have been saying, we have no firsthand witnesses, well, you have two of them right here, um, even their credibility and other aspects of their character are being questioned. I think what this shows you is that, and we kind of knew this, but in case you doubted it, this is going to be even a bigger partisan fight than we've even seen now. The nature of this as a spectacle uh, and I think as a partisan brawl um, is clear and those tensions and those stakes are only going to go up.
0: Shane Harris, thank you so much. You're welcome.